Hey friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, speaker, and Forbes blogger, and I created the U-Turn Podcast because, let's face it, every now and again, we realize that we're living life on autopilot, and it's time to wake up and make that U-Turn in your life. So prepare to go deep with some of the most transformational people I know, here to help you grow and upgrade your mindset, whether it's in work or love. Also, be sure to stick around for the end of every episode where I'm going to reflect on the conversation and offer actionable coaching insights to have a real impact on your life. In the meantime, we've opened up access to three free e-courses on uturnpodcast.com. So head on over there if you want to land a new job you love, find your purpose, or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you got to do is head on over to uturnpodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest. Why is it that we must control somebody else's experience? Sometimes it's not about them finding the right person or the wrong person. It's about them having the experience that they need to have for their own evolution. It's not right, it's not wrong. It's the choice that they make. Hello friends, it's Ashley Stahl here again, and I am not just with anybody today, but I'm with a friend, Ajit Nalka. He is the co-founder of Mind Valley and Evercoach, and he's also the author of Live Big. And we were talking before we started recording, just so you know, he grew up in a house of 23 people, and now he runs multiple companies. So obviously something had to happen in his mindset and his consciousness for him to be where he is today. And uh, we're going to talk about how you can change your habits. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with how your brain is wired. So get ready for your notepad and to take some notes. And Ajit, welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here, Ashley. This is such a treat. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> before we started recording, you talked about a social media study. And I would love to just circle back to that because I think it's a really interesting start. Um, what is it that you found in reading that study? I mean, it is it is something that has always been there with us as human beings. It's called the social comparison theory. It was a study that was done with students just to observe what behavior happens when we compare socially. Now, we've always compared socially, like even in the traditional hundreds of years ago, we're always going, all right, who's ahead, who's behind, and so forth. And the impact of social comparison was minimal because you would see that comparison show up only maybe at sometimes during work, sometimes when you really meet somebody who you feel is further in the journey than you, and so on and so forth. But social comparison has magnified in today's time. Social comparison has become so enlarged because every second of the day, every single time we show up on any social media, we are constantly being compared. We are constantly being compared with somebody else's photos, somebody else's posts, somebody else's journey, which almost always makes us feel like as if we are behind. We almost always feel like that we are not where we need to be. We are not doing the right thing. We're not progressing in the right direction. And that constantly becomes uh, a challenge for us to be able to appreciate where we are. So you see what happens is we look at somebody's post and it may seem like the most benign thing. Oh, I'm on Facebook. Oh, I'm on Instagram. What's the big deal? But what happens is when you're looking at it subconsciously, you are starting to beat yourself up because you start to compare that post or that story that your friend posted where it's looking all nice and wonderful of that holiday 
But their 30-second story defines your next 30 minutes or maybe 30 hours because what's happening is you're going, hey, that person having such a great life and I am not. Every other person that you know is posting about their great life, their powerful self, their confident self. What's going to happen? You're constantly feeling, oh, I'm behind everybody. And what happens with that is we start to lose appreciation for where we have come. We start to lose appreciation for ourselves. So social comparison and what the theory also states is that by creating, by this network of social media and by not understanding what's really happening in our subconscious mind, what's happening is we are actually losing the appreciation, the the gratitude that we should have for our own lives because we all have made so much progress. But we tend to lose all of that because of constantly comparing ourselves to somebody else, which is not even fully true. That's their 30 seconds of their life, not their entire day. That's not their entire story. That's not entire holiday. It is a small segment of the holiday. And we feel like we have fallen so behind. Yes. And it's also... This kind of reminds me a lot of the times when I was starting my business, I had a lot of really big opportunities that I was really grateful for. But my mom, you know, sometimes I get in that vortex of like everything's hard before I had a full practice. It's so hard to get clients. It's so hard for this. And I remember my mom saying, Ashley, you're on KTLA News this morning. You just started a business. You're 24. You just made six figures. You have really good friends. You have a cool apartment. What's going on? Absolutely. Absolutely. That, as much as it was created with the greatest intentions, I mean, I really think social media is powerful and wonderful. It has helped us create movements and it is, it is, it does a lot of good in the world, but it also is doing a lot of bad emotionally inside for us yes. at this point. Yes. And as far as, um, you know, just the process of, noticing that i think a lot of the times we don't realize how much social media is affecting us do you how do you how do you suggest somebody right now even realize if it's affecting them like how do they take notice of that well look at your life right now look at your life that would be a simple thing to do right away so let's take out a pen and paper and write down 10 or 20 things that you haven't appreciated in a while because you have constantly compared yourself to something else. Things that you might think, oh, you know what? This is of course normal, you know, like you being able to go for a long run if that's your thing, or you being able to make your friends laugh or or any of those things, getting good grades, whatever that is for you, that you seem like it's normal for your life, but you haven't appreciated it. And you haven't appreciated that in your life because you've constantly been bombarded by messages from the outside in instead of you going inside and saying, hey, I'm grateful for that. That's actually good. And you'll be able to realize there are so many things that you are actually so good at, you are so great at, but you haven't found the space and time for yourself to be able to really appreciate it. And you will realize that you've been constantly impacted by this comparison that is happening subconsciously for you. I know that a lot of people here, one of their habits is probably checking social media quite often. And so I'm curious to dive into your recommendations on how to rewire your brain. And I would love any research about our biology that you think would be helpful for people to know, because that's something that I think is lacking here on the podcast is really understanding the statistics and numbers. One of the studies is this, and you can really Google it. It's literally called social comparison theory. And it's a, it's a white paper. It's a little bit boring. But if you're willing to read it, if you go ahead and check out that research, you will find 
that this is a very prevalent theory that has happened in the past several years that it has magnified its impact. And you would see that, like if you watch very closely. And again, I do want to make sure that we understand social media has its goods, right? It does do a lot of very, very good things. But at the same point in time, we have to look at our lives and start to realize that there is a lot more that is inside of us that's happening instead of just what's outside that's reflecting us, uh, reflecting back on us. So we want to be careful of that. One of your steps that we talked about was identifying your core values. And this is something that I've had so many leaders talk about, the topic of core values on episodes. And, and I, I just want to drill it in. So what are some steps that you recommend? Because I know everybody has a different approach to this for people to get more connected to who they are and what their values are. What I found, and again, I, I used to have a lot of values. Like I used to have uh, when I first did this exercise, I had 15 or 14 or 15 values that I identified. Now I boiled it down to two. And values and finding values is a very difficult process. Uh, it seems the very obvious process, but it is a very difficult uh, process because by the time you're, you're listening to this podcast, you're at an age where your brain is almost fully developed or is fully developed depending on the age that you are at right now. And all the conditioning that could have possibly been done to you has already happened, which means that there is, and this is a common term that is used for it, is nature or nurture. Mm -hmm. There is nature, which is us being ourselves and really knowing who we are. And nurture, nurture is where what around you happens and that impacts you and helps you create your values and helps you create your personality. Now, when nature and nurture kind of conflict, because what is on the surface for us at all times is what we are nurtured to be or nurtured to become, because that's what is the dialogue that we are having on a daily basis. We are constantly talking about, hey, I need to do this school, I need to get this job, I need to do this, I want to be this. And that's nurture, right? Because your society, your people around you are telling you, social media is telling you, you are having conversations about about it. So that's the nurture. And so that is something that is very obvious in front of you. And you might be able to go, all right, these are my values. But those will most likely be your nurture values. Those likely be the values that are very evident in the way you show up to you right now because you haven't gone deep to really find what's nature for you. So nature and nurture is a slightly different thing and you have to be aware to know, okay, what are my values? Now, what you want to do as an exercise is, is to go ahead and take some of the personality tests and what it will allow you to do is it will give you some of your natural things. It will tell you a little bit about your nature. What it will do is it will allow you to be able to find What's your nature? What's true to you with a series of questions? It's not 100% perfect because, again, like, like I said previously, a lot of this is inside out, which means a lot of the things that people have told you or the society that you've lived in, conversations you've had, have layered it up, right? Because you have now accumulated so much insight, so much knowledge, so much information that what is beneath that is very hidden. Is a, there's a famous story about a statue of Buddha that was made in long time ago in an Asian country. It was all made, made in gold. It was all created very, very beautifully in gold, really big statue. And, and people would go there, they would pray and they would enjoy it and they would go away, go back home and everything. But then there was a, there was a king that started to rule around the areas where this temple was, where there was this golden statue of Buddha. What happened was the king was raiding different temples and stealing all the gold from these statues. So one of the places where which had the biggest statue 
and the news had traveled that, oh, there's a big statue of Golden Buddha, they knew that the king was coming to take this golden statue as well. So what the priests did, they took a lot of stones and sand and rocks, and they built a stone Buddha on top of the golden Buddha. So what happened is now when the king comes in, he sees he can't find this golden Buddha. He thinks it's bad news or just people have said things. It's not true, but he still rules that dynasty. So because the priests didn't want the Buddha to go away, like the golden Buddha be melted, they never take away the stone and the sand. And they don't tell anyone because they want to keep it a secret. Generations passed. And the stone Buddha is now still thought of as a stone Buddha until one day somebody accidentally cracks open the, the stone. And what shines outside is the golden Buddha. What I want to communicate with this analogy or the story is that your stone, you, you right now, what you are is that stone Buddha on the outside. You have all these layers that have been created to protect you. So they're not necessarily always bad. They're sometimes they're actually good for you. But there is gold that is underneath it, which is your true self, which is you from the inside out instead of outside in. And as we discover that, it will take effort. It will take constantly asking the question, what is true to me? What is honest to me? Is this really what I really believe? Or is it something that has been created as a belief for me, but it's not really true to me? And how is it that it serves me as well? Right? So what you want to do is you want to find that golden Buddha inside of you. It takes a lot of time to really find your values. Start by taking these personality tests. Start by starting your journey towards really understanding and asking these questions to yourself, saying, hey, who am I? What is really true to me? What do I really enjoy? And what is it that the world might have told me? And what is it that is true to me? And you will find what is that little smudge of gold first. And as you continue the process, you'll eventually find the entire golden Buddha. And then you see if that's aligned to you. And that's how you want to live. And that's how you want to play. Mm -hmm. Because you can always layer up your Buddha with more stones and dirt and whatever you want. But it is a great place to live if you know your values and you know your golden Buddha, because then life feels effortless. In my case, like, let's say, you know, for anybody listening, I don't take this test and I'm just talking to you now. What questions would you be able to ask me right now for me to get clear on maybe those two values that really guide who I am? There, there would not be a few set of questions. It's, it probably will take me a day or it took me four days actually to find my values. And that's why it's not something I recommend doing today. I am not going to say, hey, today you need to find all your values today because without that, you can't make progress. That's not true. And that's not what I'm trying to communicate here. What I'm trying to communicate is you stop the process, but know that how life is, how life is today for you, for me, for anyone, there is no hurry to get to these values. It's a journey to get to these values. And then it's a journey once you find these values to live these values. Mm. So it's not that you'll find the values and you'll be golden right then. You'll start to live these values. And that for that to happen, you'll need to embody behavioral change. So for me to identify my values, it took me about four days of exercises. And those exercises involved asking questions. It, it creates a ripple effect in your, in your life because what you're going to end up doing is you'll ask the hard questions to yourself. Like, why do I do these particular things and whatever that is true for you? And that would take some coaching exercise and, and we can play that game right now, but we won't be able to finish it right now on the call, actually, for sure, because it is, like I said, a process. If you're self-coaching, you can try this. Let's say there is a behavior you don't like about yourself, right? There's something that you're like, oh, I don't really enjoy this. Go ahead and ask yourself the question, why is it that you act like that then? And keep digging into why is it that you act like then? Usually... If there's a behavior you don't like, 
about yourself, and that's usually the behavior you don't like in other people as well, what will happen is you will find that that is five or seven layers deep, an event that you made a, a story around. So there's an event that happened in your life. You attached emotions to it. And because you attached emotion to it, now that story became so real that you forgot anything that was positive about that story. You have a negative attachment to that story. And now as that negative attachment stays after many other layers and proofs in your head, which you thought was proofs, it has become a true thing for you and you operate like that. And it has become your negative value, value that doesn't contribute to you. And then you go ahead and you go, okay, that's where the value is coming from. And that's where you can start to work on eliminating that of knowing that if that's a true value to you or if not not a true value to you, it's something that comes out of consequence. I'm trying to put it in practical terms, like, you know, taking myself as the guinea pig that I try to make myself on the podcast. So you would recommend me looking at the history of my life. Let's see, what is a behavior in your life that you don't like? Is that okay to put you yeah, on the spot? Yeah, 100%. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Always put me on okay, the spot. I cool. love it. I would say there have been some friendships I've had, not many, but a handful that the person was really close to me and they made some sort of choice or some sort of pivot in their life where I could no longer have, I didn't feel like I could have them in my life anymore. I would say that behavior doesn't work for me. I would rather have people for lack of a better term, on the shelf. Like instead of completely axing them for my life, is there a way for me to give them their place? So, so let's not try to go what's the ideal outcome that you will like, because first let's look at why do you even have that behavior. Yeah. Right? That's the first thing to really ask, because maybe that behavior comes from somewhere, something that happened. And if that's the case, maybe there's a better programming for it, because you'll find what truly friendship means for you. What I'm trying to distinguish here, because this dialogue will happen for anybody who's doing this, is that if you will try to find how you want to behave versus how you're behaving, you will eliminate the possibility of a greater possibility that might lie as we go deeper down this rabbit hole to really find what is causing this behavior for Ashley, for example. So mm-hmm. actually, your behavior was that you tend to ask friends if they don't align or they do certain things that throws you off and you're like, all right, they're throwing me off through this. I'm going to move on. Right. Yeah. So tell me what are those behaviors? The way it looks on my side or one of the things that friends have Your done. side. Everything is about you right now. Well, I, I get like, I feel a sense of heartbreak. Like, um, you know, a friend who I would say started dating a guy who was narcissistic and unhealthy for her is what it, my judgment was, at least my experience of it. And uh-huh. she changed who she was. She stopped giving good relationship advice when I talked to her about love because she was becoming blind to be in the relationship. And I I, I felt like who she was changed. And so I felt heartbreak and loss, uh-huh. like she's gone. So, so you felt heartbreak because a friend started dating someone that seemed like is, is a particular type of person that you don't like or don't appreciate. Yeah. Has it ever happened that there was a time in life where where there was somebody who was not in alignment with you and your values, but you really loved them. And because of that, you lost friends. So somebody that I kind of stood by, even though other people didn't. Yeah. Somebody that you might be like, hey, I really love this person. Could be a friend, could be a lover. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It was other a people didn't appreciate it. And, and you still went ahead, kept the relationship. Did that happen ever? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's one relationship in my recent history the past few years where I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I let myself be in a relationship with somebody like that. Did this behavior, the current behavior that you have, which is to ask friends that don't feel like they're living in alignment or with somebody who's not in alignment, 
this behavior is a new behavior or it has always been a pattern? Like? No, it's been a pattern. This comes way earlier than it's, this relationship. Okay, cool. So let's go one step further. So this relationship that happened a few years ago, maybe reestablished the thought of saying, hey, I must protect my friends like I protect myself because later on they will regret it. This is a, this is a placeholder I'm leaving. I don't know if that's the story. Right. So let's go one step deeper. But do you see what I'm trying to do? Yes. What yes. I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find little dots that might have happened throughout the course of life. And as, as we keep going further and further, and of course, it's much easier to do when you're physically somebody with someone I can look at you because then I know your body changes mm-hmm. versus us having an audio conversation right now, because then we can go, OK, what is it? What path is it? Where is this path coming from? Because as I will find that path, as you will find that path, more importantly, you'll find where is this originating and what is really true to you and what is not really true to you. Now, it could be that it is true to you. For example, it could be true to you that you cannot stand for people who are of certain values. And that's fine. When I feel like somebody is lying to the world about who they are, I don't want to be around them or somebody's disconnected. That's it. It's like... Uh-huh. Like the friend that I had in recent past, she was the most connect. I had such a connection with her and loved her so much. And when she started this relationship, she totally disconnected, not just from me, but from her, from herself first. And I it was my experience of, of having loved this person and been such good friends with them and watching them in the world that there's so many things about their core being that I experienced that shifted when they made a choice to be with this person. Going back, it's like feeling like disconnected is really like the pain and the heartbreak that I feel. So, so I'm going to go into two different directions right now because there are two stories here that we are really talking about, actually more than two, but two prominent stories. One of the stories that we're talking about is your association with pers- particular personalities and saying, hey, this is what is in alignment with me and this is not in alignment with me. And to really go dive deep into it and find if it's true or not or is the consequence of a horrendous event that might have happened at some point in life. Right. Because those would be the the dirt that has come over your golden Buddha. Right. But mm-hmm. it may not be true. It might be that this is your gold, which is there's, there's a stand that you take for a certain set of people because that is in alignment with your truest self. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's one tangent. And you want to consider that. But that will be a deep dive. I'll invite you to take. And usually our rational mind can start us on this journey. You do want the support to be able to go further in that journey. Books can help. Trainings can help. These tests can help. Uh, you going out to different seminars can help. And this is all the work as you do more and more of. You get better at things. Of like course. it's not only better for you becoming more spiritual, but it's actually better for you in, in context of progress. Mm-hmm. Your outside progress, your work professional progress, your spiritual progress, your emotional progress is a reflection of the effort that you put towards it to really finding yourself more, to really understanding yourself more and being able to live it more. OK, because that's all slow. Right. Because there is no friction when you're doing that in your life. Mm-hmm. So that's one tangent. The second tangent, Ashley, is what I would invite you to do is to think about this. Why is it that you would like to, and this is this is more for anybody who's also listening, who has a friend where they do feel like they've lost themselves or they have they are connecting with somebody else that they shouldn't connect to, is that why is it that we must control somebody else's experience? Sometimes it's not about them finding the right person or the wrong person. It's about them having the experience that they need to have for their own evolution. Yes. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's the choice that they make. Now, I'm in no way saying that if it's an abusive, physically abusive or 
very abusive relationship, then you must stand for your friend, even if they can't see it. That I agree with, because that's a that's a visible thing that you can help protect somebody with, and that's actually illegal as well. Mm-hmm. But when somebody wants to have their own experience by saying, hey, I love this person for this, this, this reasons, and I want to stay with them and have my own experience, I feel maybe there is a conversation to be had here with ourselves to say, hey, why do I need to control this experience? Maybe we just have to live this experience, because what comes out of this experience might be something that is very different to what we have already experienced in life. So there's a wonderful quote, and this is by a philosopher. His name is Alan Watts, and I tend to say this quote often. Is He once, uh, in his book, which is called The Book, by the way, and, and in that book, he tries to draw an analogy for life. And one of the things that, that he says is life is not like a journey, which is what people think about and make it out to be. Life is more like music. Life is more like a dance. And the reason why he says that is because he, he argues that life is not fun when it ends, which is what journey is all about. Journey is about the destination, right? But life is more fun when it's playing, when life is playing out the way it plays out, when it has the high pitch and the low pitch and the medium pitch, when it changes the tone and paces sometimes and slows down sometimes. That's when music is fun and music is fun when it plays. So what if life was like that? What if life was like a dance or music, which means it needs to keep playing and it will have the high pitch and the low pitch. And all of them are fun because that's why life becomes ones. Maybe your friend is just going through the low pitch or the high pitch. She just wants and this And they just experience. need to go through that for the music to be beautiful. I'm also considering what you said, the two tendons. You said one tendon is that that's just expressing a core value that is being met and that this behavior that somebody might be playing out is just feedback that they're coming up against an edge that's a core value. So in my case, connection is a core value and it's really hard to be, for me, around people who don't feel, to me, like they're connected in some way. And who am I to judge? Who am I to know what connected is for somebody? The other side that you're sharing, Ajit, I think is really interesting, is around disconnect and evaluating these behaviors to be able to see if they are a pattern that you don't want to keep alive in your life or that, or where it come from, at least to do an inquiry of where it's coming from. Um, and so in my case, for example, I grew up in a house where, you know, my mom always had, we had a massive family. There was 50 people coming to Sunday night dinners and you know, the experience that I had of that is that I didn't connect with everybody. And so I think that I made a decision at a young age that when I'm an adult, I get to choose who I connect with. But I I love what you're saying because I think that this is all feedback for everybody to consider if you have a pattern or a behavior that doesn't work for you, is it just feedback that there's a core value that it's pointing to? So I love that. Hey U-Turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but I want to make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Career Clarity Lab, the online course to help you find your career purpose in the workforce and upgrade your confidence. So if you're ready to unlock the best career path for you and you'd like to try a free version of our Clarity course, just head on over to U-TurnPodcast.com slash Clarity. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash Clarity. Now let's get back to this week's episode. And what do you have to say, Aji, because I know you have so much, so much to offer, especially with your book, Live Big, about goal setting based on your values and, and setting the right goals. What can everybody learn from you about that? So it's such a wonderful segue because I just talked about how life is not a journey, but more uh, music. 
Yeah. And that revelation, when it came to me, I also realized that I was somebody who chased goals at all times. And it seems the right thing to do because everybody talks about goals at all times, right? But what happens with goals, and if and everybody who's listening, think about the last goal that you had and you achieved it. When you achieved it, how did you feel? Mm-hmm. Now, you felt really excited. You felt gratified. You felt like you're on the top of the world. But how did you feel the next day or the next day or the next day? You see, the challenge with goals, the problem with goals, the problem with goal setting is mostly, first of all, it's materialistic, which means it only satisfied, satisfies one side of our being, which is validation. Because all achievement, not all, but most achievement is designed by what the world tells us is a good achievement to have. You get an A grade because the world says you're A grade or so forth, right? So there is that the dialogue of not really fulfilling inside out, but fulfilling outside in with goal setting generally. But let's say even if you had done more internal work and you did set goals that were in alignment with you, they are a very gratifying process. They are not a process that gives you true fulfillment. It gives you temporary gratification. Now, there is nothing wrong with temporary gratification, but if that becomes the driving force for our life, what happens is that we jump from one goal to another goal to another goal to another goal. Where else? My invitation to you on this conversation is to say, what if life was a set of values and we tried to live those values every single day? That there was no chase, or there was a chase, but there was a chase to live our life to our fullest realization of our values. For example, for me, the two values that I live by on a daily basis is service and love. That I want to serve people and be able to help and or be helpful or be good for the world. And at the same point in time, I want to live my life from a place of love. Love for family, love for my romantic partner, love for my friends, love for humanity. For everything, love for humanity as is. Right. So for me, if I can express those two values on a daily basis, every day, every moment is a fulfilling moment. Mm. And that's where I operate from. And that allows me to have goals in a way which are not really about a chase to an end where it's gratifying. But everything that I do is a lot more fulfilling because I'm enjoying the music as I go along because my music is played on the notes that I like the most in Mm. my music, which is love and service. And that's re, uh, reimagination of our goals. Is what if our goals was every day living our values? And whatever those values are, every day we live those values. Now, to add on to the 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 challenge of life, to make it more uh, of a spark and make it more fun, we do want to have some goals, but we want to not only quantify those goals as material goals, which is what we tend to do. We tend to go, I want this car, I want this house, I want this, I want that. Right? But what if life was more than that? Because it is. We already know that, right? Life is not only about saying, hey, here are the material gains, but it's also about what do you learn? How did you grow? Where would you like to be as a person? What would you like to be as a person in 10 years from now, 20 years from now, five years from now? Where is it that we invite that conversation? So I would invite you on this conversation is to reimagine goal setting a little bit more. What if we live from a place of values and every day we found fulfillment living our values? And secondly, we did create goals for challenge and excitement and for the chase and for the fun of the chase. But that is not only created for materialistic gains. They will happen and they can be there inside the Rolodex of multiple things, but also add in a little bit about what experiences we would like to have what type of learnings you would like to do, what type of contribution you would like to do for the world. And as you add all these other layers, 
to your goals, instead of just having materialistic goals, you will see that life becomes a lot more fulfilling. Life becomes a lot more joyous. Life becomes more happy. And there is no end point where you become happy. You just have the in the now. The way you talk about music, everybody has a different rhythm. Everybody has a different music. In my case, uh-huh. it's Drake and Ja Rule and Little John. In your case, it might be something else. I think Drake's everybody's yeah. beat, so. Yeah, but you, you, yeah, exactly. But, you know, I was thinking a lot about what you said when you said that um, a lot of the times we hit a goal and it feels great. And then the next day, the next day, the next day, it, it doesn't feel so great. And, and you know, it makes me kind of think about, like, you know, all of what it can look like when you reach everything and there's a disconnect. And so... What is happening on a scientific level for people who hit a goal and then after that, there's like this massive dip? Goal setting and everything is actually less to do with the body. It's more to do with the mind and our emotional body. If I may, so we have many bodies. We, we think that physical body is the only body that we have, but we actually have a spiritual body, mental body, brain body, um, physical body, and of course, emotional body. So there are multiple bodies. And when you're training someone, when you're coaching someone, when you're working with someone, if you'll start to observe that these different bodies, you will see your communication will go up as well. So this is kind of a little side note for us to kind of remember to be able to refer back to, to say, hey, okay, there are multiple bodies. It's not only about physical body and changes in all the bodies are, are equally important because it's like a spiral effect. Uh, or, or one thing leads to other type of effect, right? So, so we want to be mindful of all of that. So what happens with, with goal setting, particularly, is when we set out goals or when we set out a chase, it's an emotional bond that we attach to that goal. And as we are getting close to the goal, as we are about to hit the goal, what happens is that our, our body starts to race. So our, our, of course, our hormones change and our brain function starts to fair fire around those things. And we kind of get that, that hit, as the goal is hit. And, and this is mostly observed when you are more of an athlete because you are running for a goal and you can actually see the bodily changes that effectively. It, it's not so easy to observe in a, in a human being, which is, say, trying to make a million dollars over the course of 10 years, right, or five years. That's a goal still, but at the same point of time, it's not something that you'll be able to see bodily changes on a daily basis, where else if you're a 100-meter sprint, you can see the body changes, right? So our body goes into a full recycle of all hormones firing, our dopamine starts to kick, and all these different brain uh, chemicals start to take over, and that gives us that high. And if you have ever ran 100 meter, you will know that high or swam through for, for a challenge or whatever that is. You know that experience that high, and you want to be in that high. But at the same point of time, as our body is experiencing all of those, those are temporary states. They're not permanent states. They are all a chemical function of getting us that temporary high. If you want to stay in a permanent high, what you're looking for is something that we call the state of flow. Uh, state of flow is a function of uh, your abilities or your capabilities in what you can do and the challenges that you have in life. And we talk about this a little bit more in the book, Live Beg, is basically what happens is we have certain capabilities or skill sets as human beings. And if our capabilities are more than what are challenges or current challenges in life, we experience boredom. If our capabilities are significantly less than what the current challenge in life is, we feel overwhelmed, right? So if you're feeling bored about what's happening in life, is because whatever you're doing right now is too small a task for you, is why you're getting bored. If you're feeling overwhelmed, it's because the task that you're doing is too much for you. And so you need to find that balance. The balance is, that the challenge that you are trying to go for should be marginally more where you have to acquire new skills 
to be able to meet that challenge. What will happen is because now you have to gain capabilities and meet the challenge at the same time, your body will get into a state of flow, your mind will get into the state of flow because now there is something that you know you're just about to get, but you're not there yet, right? So that feeling is what you really wanna go for. That's the biology that you really wanna go for. Okay, and this is like the perfect part where you had talked about the subconscious and the conscious mind. I would love for you to then share how they operate so that everybody who's listening can kind of learn how to infuse this into their goal setting and their core values. So we must understand that our brains are divided into subconscious and conscious, like you already already spoke about. Only two to five percent of our brain or mind is is in the conscious state, which means we are, it's in our awareness. What we are seeing, what we are looking at, what we are thinking, what we are eating, what we are smelling, all of that is being operated by our conscious mind. But that conscious mind is only about two to five percent, depends on different person. The rest is all subconscious. So everything so let's say for example i'm talking to you i'm focused consciously on talking to you but i'm still breathing i'm still walking and pacing around the room while talking to you that's subconscious that's happening breathing is subconscious that's happening me looking around is subconscious that's happening so what happens is our subconscious is it's almost like think about if one was the old pc and the other one was a supercomputer the conscious mind is like a pc but pc from say year 2001, You've got mail. right? So it's not even the latest one. It's like one of the old PCs. And then there's the supercomputer, the latest supercomputer. And that's the one that is our subconscious. So our subconscious processes and works on a lot more information at any given time than what our conscious does. So what you want to do is you want to constantly feed your subconscious. You want to constantly feed your subconscious. How do you feed your subconscious? Your subconscious is getting fed anyways. You watch a TV series, your subconscious is getting fed. If you read material that is useful, that's how you consciously feed your subconscious with insight and information that will actually create lasting change for you. It'll create better habits for you. But what you want to do is you want to find a way to constantly listening to this podcast. Shameless plug. This is why you got to keep listening to the YouTube podcast. (laughs) This is is where you are feeding your subconscious with information that is useful to you. So you should subscribe and you should get your friends to subscribe. So all of you feed yourself with conscious available readily and useful information because as you feed your subconscious more and more your subconscious becomes more and more powerful and all of a sudden and i'll give you a little trick that you want to do in your life so you can access more of your subconscious because as your subconscious is more aware and has more information has more insight and useful information not some boring not not interesting but useless netflix series but something that's useful once it's there what happens is now we have so much data All we have to figure out is how do we give time to all that data to process to come into meaningful insight and come out with your values and come up with your ability to be able to be an outperforming individual in life or be more spiritual, whatever that is that you want to do in life. You have more capability to do that if your subconscious has that brain data that it needs to get for it to process. Now, here is how subconscious really processes. It's called the default mode theory. Uh, Default mode theory was... Uh, is studied by brain neuro, neuroscientists and, and brain scientists. And, and what they did is they, they, they actually put different people through different exercises and they found that default mode is the mode that our subconscious and our mind, our brain, sorry, gets into when we are not doing anything or when we are doing something that is the most mundane thing that can happen. So things like making your bed, folding clothes, doing laundry, 
These are all meaningless tasks that seem like they have no real value in our lives. But when you're doing meaningless tasks like this or nothing at all, not even reading a book, what happens is your brain goes into something that they call the default mode. And the default mode is when the subconscious has this brain power to actually connect the dots. So all the data that you just fed into your brain through different things that you're doing in life, when you sit down and not do anything, your subconscious says, oh, I don't have a lot of info, new information to process. How about I connect the dots with the old information? And it goes into that mode of connecting dots. Have you ever been in the shower and had the epiphany or the brilliant idea that will change your life? Well, that happens because your brain is in default mode. If that has happened, if it hasn't happened, take a longer shower. That's a good one too, right? <laughs> take Wait, a but, longer shower, it's okay. But it sounds like default mode is not ideal. No, default mode is ideal, but not all the time. Because your default mode is the time when you will come up with the most creative, most intellectual, most brilliant ideas that will change your life. Because default mode is, and that's what most of the people think. People think default mode, you're sitting around not doing anything. That's, that's bad. That's not bad. That's actually a good thing. You want default mode, not all the time, because again, it's not useful to be in default mode at all times, but be in default mode a little bit. Go yes. ahead, take a walk, be useless. But default mode only works if you're fed the data to your brain. If you watched a bunch of Netflix series and now you want to come up with how to go ahead in your professional career, nothing's going to happen in your default mode because all default mode nodes is Daredevil and Iron Fist. So if your default mode needs to only go in if there is useful data that you've already fed to it, which is, again, like I said, listening to podcasts like this or reading a book or watching something that's useful, reading something up online that is useful. As you feed all that useful insight and then go into default mode, your brain will find creative ideas. Ah, uh, I love that. There's a couple things to this. I recently just read a study by Stanford that was saying that 84% of your most creative ideas come when you're not at work. There's something to this, obviously, and, you know, take longer showers, I guess, or just go to the beach, you know, and this was my big selling point to all the ex-boyfriends is like my workaholic ex-boyfriends is, hey, <laughs> you know, come hang out with me. Your ideals are going to be better. But, Which you know, is very true. <laughs> but I'm also just kind of listening to what you're saying about really thinking about your your goals, because sometimes when you decide to think about something, there's a level of forcing it. And so I'm also curious, how do we walk that line of, of being really creative and coming up with intentional goals that align with the values and the exercises you're sharing and create space for flow and for amazing ideas to come in? There are many ways and everybody structures their life the way they want to create their life or should create their life. And I know it's not easy for a lot of people to be able to do that or live into that because they feel like life's really challenging and things around them are not so easy and so forth. And I totally understand and I respect that. But at the same point in time, if we don't bring it to our awareness, we won't be able to create it at any point. Like if we won't actually try, if we will give up too fast, it won't, it won't change as well. So my invitation, firstly, is that if this right now, everything sounds really overwhelming, what I'm saying is take a step back and take some quiet time and really evaluate where do you want to be in five or 10 years from now. Don't try to answer where you will be in five months, but five or 10 years from now. And the reason why I'm starting with that question, and then I'll integrate everything that we talked about, is because if you have a goal that is five or six months from now, it almost always is overwhelming. It's almost always is exciting, but really, really uh, draining because it feels too big and our body goes into a 
crumble state because it doesn't know what to do, right? So, so instead of thinking about your goals five months from now, extend that time period to five years. What is that ideal life that you want? And if what, how, how great it would be? And how would you get to your ideal life five years from now or 10 years from now? Because it will give your mind and your body the space to really be able to create that change for you, right? So that's the first invitation for anybody who's feeling, oh, I can't have this in my life or I can't do this in my life, is to extend your goals to five to 10 years. And hopefully it will become more easy for you to actually manifest that. Now, a little trick that I will tell you is if you put your goal five or 10 years from now, you write them down and you write a plan to get it, most likely you'll get it between three to seven years. So you'll actually end up achieving your goal two to three years earlier than what you initially planned. And the reason why that happens is because once you have a plan in place, what you're thinking you'll be able to do in five years, most likely you'll be able to do that in three. And so it'll allow you to actually get to your goal faster. Mm. So firstly, extend your goals. That's the first thing that I want you to do because that's something that will be the easiest thing for most of our listeners right now to be able to do. Secondly, go ahead and start investing time and energy into learning. As you learn about yourself more and more, read. If you don't like reading, go to seminars. If you don't like seminars, watch videos. They're online programs. Do something. Listen to podcasts like this because every time you do that, you're taking one step towards finding what is true to you, what is true to your values. Get a coach if you can afford one, right? These are all things that will, that will allow you to be able to find your values and really start to be in alignment with what is more true to you. The first thing is extend your goals because that will give you the comfort of not feeling the urgency and give you a little bit more peace to be able to move towards these ideas that we're talking about. Secondly is work towards your values. Is Again, it will not be an easy process. It won't happen in a day. It might take a month. It might take a year. It doesn't matter. But the point really is to find that goal, is to go ahead and work towards it, right? So find those values and to work towards it. Go ahead, find your values and write them down and then start to live those values on a daily basis and be able to say, okay, what can I do to be in alignment with my values today? Right. And every day as you operate and this is behavioral change doesn't happen on one day. Right. It happens over time. And so what you want to do is firstly, you want to be intentional about your values. Now, you know, your values, you want to write them down somewhere or make it visible to you in some way. Like, for example, my values are always on my wrist because I want to remember them at all points, because that's how you go back into the state of saying, all right, I need this is an anchored word for me that I can come back to and be in a place of love and service. Right. So that's what you want to do. You want to write your values and then you want to make it visible to you so you can live them every day. And then you want to act upon those values by also getting help from your friends, family or the community members by saying, hey, would you help me live through my values? Would you support me in this journey? And if I'm not operating on my values, would you remind me of that? Not everybody's going to do that, but some people might support you in that journey. And that would be amazing help for you to create that behavioral change. As you are going through your, as you find your values, as you're already aligned with your goals, which are five or 10 years from now, revisit your goals as you found your values more to say, hey, how can I create an expansive goal list versus a materialistic goal list? Because that will allow you to be able to have a greater experience of life. So my invitation really is to be able to have you 
have some greater experience of life. And also just to point out for those of you who are listening, and I know you know this, Ajit, of all people, but the reticular activating system in your brain, it's it's interesting. I was just in a talk show interview this morning and the woman said to me before I got on stage, she said, have you seen all the Teslas that are on the road? And I, I remember saying to her, no, you know, I, I really <laughs> haven't. And then as I was driving home from Paramount Studios, I saw like 500 Teslas. And uh-huh. I think that that for everybody listening, what Aji is sharing is so powerful because when you put your awareness on these goals, you activate the reticular activating system of your brain. And that's the part of your brain that shops for opportunities to see what you visualized or to see what you're trying to call in. And so in my case, you know, it was a Tesla, I guess, this morning. Um, And so I saw many of them, but really it's just this part of my brain that now has been woken up to notice certain things. So this, this makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. So what other behavioral changes need to happen to live more in alignment with your values? So once you've got this, then it's more about saying, how am I feeding my brain? Because a lot of times people make a plan for getting their goals, but don't make a learning plan as a follow-up. Make a learning plan. Who do you need to become to be able to get to your goals, to be able to live in the values that you define for yourself? And that will allow you to be able to say what all you need to learn. And that will also help us to subconsciously feed our brain. Feed our brain in a way that we can then take some default mode time and be able to come up with creative ideas that will help us create more progress in our life. And that are some of the things that as you change these, you'll start to see that you'll start to show up differently. It's like the reticular activating system that you just said as well. It's the same way. Once your mind knows something, it can't unknow it. So everybody who's listened to this episode, now you can't unknow what I just shared. Now, what invitation for you is to be able to take action on this. Your mind has already been stretched. Now, it's all about saying, hey, what do we need to do to actually make sure all these things that we said we should do we actually go ahead and do it. That's what's such a bummer about awakening. You can't go back to sleep. You can't unknow what you know. (laughs) Such a bummer. (laughs) Okay, perfect. And just wrapping up, any final words you have of behavioral changes or things you would want everybody to remember other than that, the fact that they, you know, as they're growing to pick up your book, Live Big, which I'm so excited to read. And, you know, just anything that you would want to share. I'd, I'd like to end with, with one common dialogue that I really hope that people would also get from the book and generally also in life because I feel like sometimes that's the one thing that we forget. And that thing is that you always have a choice. It may feel hard. It may see, feel troublesome. It may feel like it's not really you that has the choice right now or the society doesn't give you the choice or your skin color doesn't or your religion doesn't, but you always have a choice. There's a choice that we make on a daily, hourly, minute-by-minute basis and the way you define your choices, the way you show up with your choices or for your choices, the easier it is to make that choice. So I invite you all to make the choice for your life. No choice is right or wrong. It's a choice that you make. And the important thing is to make the choice, not to live in that default mode of, of being told by the world what you should be, but to start to be the creator, not the person who reacts, who says, okay, this is what is coming at me. This is what is coming at me. But instead of that saying, hey, What is it that I want to create? What is it that is life going to be for me? And how is it going to show up? And what's the choice that I'm making? So that's my invitation as my closing remark to everyone. You have a choice, go live it. Aji, thank you so much. Where can everybody find you? (laughs) Just go to livebigthebook.com or you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, everywhere. Uh, Not on Snapchat and Twitter, uh, but the other two platforms I'm fully available. But other than that, go ahead and get the livebigthebook.com that will allow you to get a book and also 
uh, invites you to a community where we can have a deeper conversation. Something tells me all that you shared about social comparison theory isn't going to apply as much to following you. <laughs> friendly social media following for your subconscious mind. Thank you so, so much for being here with me. And I will see you soon, Ajit. Absolutely. See you soon. Hey there, it's Ashley here, and I am just reflecting on this week's episode with Ajit Nawalka, and I just can't help but remember his comment about how when life gives you challenges that are too far beyond your capabilities or too far below your capabilities, you either end up overwhelmed or bored. And what this reflected back to me was the importance of having challenges as a tool to growth. But one of the things that I found and what this brought up for me was thinking about a lot of friends who are spiritually bypassing challenging situations because they don't want to leave or take responsibility or be empowered about them. So here's what I mean. I'm sure you're probably wondering, what does spiritual bypass mean? Spiritual bypassing is when you see someone who's in a really shitty situation, whether it's a relationship that's abusive or a a job that really sucks or mostly like abusive relationships or situations, And you see them or hear them saying, I'm meant to go through this. I'm supposed to go through this. Our souls are supposed to be together. I would step away, but I know that we're meant to do this. So whenever you say somebody says they're meant to do something, it's a way to keep them in the drama of the challenges. And I know that sometimes we do feel a knowing in our bodies that we're meant to do things. We do feel an intuition or a connection to something and a commitment to it or some sort of undying devotion. But far too often I'm seeing people in what looks like challenging, overwhelming, painful, abusive situations, looking at this toxic dynamic and saying, I'm meant to work through this with this person. I'm meant to have this challenge so that I can grow. So What I wanted to raise your awareness on was habits because we talked about that with Ajit. What habits are sabotaging right now? Like what habits do you have? I know you might have a lot of good habits. You wake up at a certain hour, you get to work, but what habits are you noticing you do that aren't good for your health or aren't good for your mindset or aren't good for your relationships? And the second thing I want to ask you and leave you with is where are you potentially or where have you been in a challenging, potentially toxic dynamic and you've spiritually bypassed it by saying you're supposed to be in it, we're meant to do this. And what did you learn from that looking back or right now? What can you learn from it or where are you willing to take responsibility for it? All right, quick thoughts for you after this episode. I can't wait to hear, you know, you can hit me up on the gram at Ashley Stahl and I can't wait to connect on next week's episode. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. We keep really detailed show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. So if our guest mentioned a book or a resource that you're interested in, you'll be able to find that there. In the meantime, if you were inspired by this episode, if it made an impact in your life, we would be so grateful if you subscribed and posted a review for us on iTunes. Rumor has it on the street, the more reviews we get, the more subscribes we get, the more we can grow and get our impact out there in the world. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you at Ashley Stahl on Instagram. I'm so grateful for connecting and I look forward to next week's episode.